Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello everyone, I'm Cody Westbrook and you are listening to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. We're working our way through the story or the narrative of the Bible, trying to understand the big picture or see the big picture of Scripture. And the last in our last episode, we began by looking at the events of 1 Samuel chapter 8 and the call of the people for a king. And we ended our episode after having discussed the life and kingship of David and then the subsequent uh, rising of Solomon, his son, upon his death. So in this episode, we begin with Solomon, and we need to make a notation that Solomon reigned on the throne for 40 years. And you probably remember that Solomon was the wisest man that lived because he could have asked God for anything, but what he asked him for upon becoming king was wisdom, and so God granted that wisdom. But we also know that Solomon is king, though he was wise and though he was very wealthy, he also made some very bad choices, some very bad decisions, particularly as it pertained to the amount of wives and concubines that he had gathered to himself and the fact that his wives and concubines turned his heart away from God and toward idolatry. Well, Solomon reigned on the throne for 40 years, and when we get to the end of 1 Samuel chapter 11, we read about his death, 1 Kings chapter 11, that is, we read about his death, and then in 1 Kings chapter 12, we begin to see the events that will lead to the dividing of the kingdom into north and south. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, takes the throne in 1 Kings chapter 12, and upon taking the throne... He is advised by the people that his father Solomon made their yoke very difficult. And so they ask him to be a more lenient, kinder ruler than his father Solomon was. King Rehoboam then took that into consideration and he asked counsel from the older and wiser men and also from the younger men. The older and wiser men suggested that uh, he listen to the people and that he be fair with them. But the younger men suggested that he be even more difficult than his father, that he be even more stern and more strict. And so he made the mistake of listening to the counsel of the younger men. When the people gathered to him under the leadership of Jeroboam to hear his verdict, and he exclaimed to them that he was going to be more difficult than his father, we find then a division and a splitting of the kingdom. With Rehoboam serving as king, of the southern portion, Judah, that would be two tribes, and Jeroboam serving as the king of the northern kingdom, or the northern portion, which would be ten tribes. And this kingdom division happens in about 930 B.C., and we can read about these events in the book of 1 Kings chapter 12. We also note that there is a very uh, monumental and uh, unfortunate circumstance at the end of 1 Kings chapter 12 because we read about the fact that after over time, Jeroboam began to realize that if the people obeyed God's will and traveled to Jerusalem to worship as they were commanded, 
that they eventually would turn their allegiance back to Rehoboam, and so therefore Jeroboam would lose not only his kingdom, but his life. And so therefore Jeroboam created calves, idol worship, and he put one in Dan and one in Bethel, and he proclaimed to the children of Israel that these are your gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt, and there is no need for you to go down to Jerusalem to worship any longer. So Jeroboam introduces calf worship into Israel, and as time will go on, and the prophets will talk about the iniquity and the wickedness of kings and of those in Israel, they will often compare it to Jeroboam. His name, as it were, lives on in infamy because he is the one who officially introduced calf worship into the people of God, into Israel. Now, these two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, it consisted of ten tribes, and it lasted for about 250 years. But then in the year 721 B.C., the Assyrians came in and destroyed the northern kingdom and took them into captivity, and they would never return again. Some of the kings of the northern kingdom that we read about, of course, Jeroboam would be the first, But we also read about Ahab and Jezebel, his wife. He was a king of Israel, the northern kingdom, and Jehu and a number of others. The southern kingdom is referred to as Judah, and the southern kingdom existed for a period of 350 years. And then Babylon, in a series of three deportations, 606, 597, and 586 B.C., would come in and would uh, destroy the southern kingdom, destroy Jerusalem, and take Judah into captivity, where they would be in captivity for a period of 70 years. Now, the southern kingdom, unlike the northern kingdom, had some kings who were good, but they also had some kings who were wicked. Rehoboam, of course, was the first king of the southern kingdom, but also kings like Hezekiah and Josiah, who were both very good kings, ruled in Judah, ruled in the southern kingdom. We also read the prophets, the book and the work of the prophets, and during the existence of the divided kingdom, the northern and the southern kingdom, these prophets began to work. There were two prophets who were primarily prophets to the northern kingdom, and they would be Amos and Hosea. But then there were a number of other prophets who were prophets primarily toward the southern kingdom. Prophets like Joel, Obadiah, Isaiah, Micah, Nahum, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Daniel, Habakkuk, and Ezekiel. These are prophets who are all working primarily in the southern kingdom. And Daniel and Ezekiel in particular are worthy of note because these two men prophets of God are taken captive with the rest of God's people into Babylon, and they do their work while in Babylonian captivity. It's also uh, important to note that there are some prophets who will do their work after the return of the people of the southern kingdom from Babylonian captivity, like Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi. And also, when we read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, We're reading about events that take place after the 70-year captivity of the southern kingdom in Babylon. And, of course, Ezra and Nehemiah uh, leading groups of people back to Jerusalem in order to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the temple and so on. So, 
we have the division of the kingdom. We have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom will last for 250 years and then go off into Assyrian captivity, never to return again. The southern kingdom, however, will last for 350 years. They will go to Babylon for 70 years, and then they will be allowed to return. But it is important to note that in all of this, God remembered his covenant. In 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 19, we read this statement. 2 Kings 8.19 says, Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for the sake of his servant David, as he promised him to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. Remember that as we're going through the narrative, the story of the Bible, we begin with Genesis 3.15 and the seed of woman coming to uh, crush the seed of, or the head of the serpent, the first messianic prophecy. We follow the seed promise, the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and now the seed of David. And last week we looked at God's promise to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So now in 2 Kings chapter 8, God reminds us that he had made this promise, this covenant, and that he hadn't forgotten about it. And the reason why Judah is allowed to return from Babylonian captivity is because God remembers his promise. He remembers his covenant. In 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse number 23, the scripture says, The Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and regarded them because of his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and would not yet destroy them or cast them from uh, his presence. We remember the throne promise, again, of 2 Samuel chapter 7, that God promised David that he would raise up one after his seed to sit on his throne forever. And of course, we know that that is a reference ultimately to Jesus Christ. But we also read in 1 Kings chapter 9 in verse number 5, God making this statement as he appears to Solomon. He says, Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. We also, in the midst of all of this, the time period of the divided kingdom, the time period of Babylonian captivity, we also begin to read prophecy about the kingdom that was going to come, God's kingdom, which, as we learn in the New Testament, is the church of Christ. We read about the coming kingdom in, in passages like Isaiah chapter 2, where Isaiah tells us where the kingdom would come into existence. Joel chapter 2, where Joel tells us how it would come into existence. Daniel chapter 2, where Daniel tells us when it would come into existence in the days of the Roman Empire. And in many other passages, like Micah chapter 4. We also read not only prophecy of the church, the kingdom of God, but we read more messianic prophecy. We learn in Genesis 3.15 that it's going to be the seed of woman. And then in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, we read about a virgin who will conceive and bear a son. And the New Testament, the book of Matthew chapter 1, will tell us that Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy and his virgin birth. We have Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, which talks about Jesus being called Wonderful and Counselor and Mighty God and Prince of Peace and the Everlasting Father. We have Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2, which tells us that he'll be born in Bethlehem. 
There are over 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament that tell us everything about where Jesus would be born, about about his work, about uh, his suffering, and so many other wonderful things. And so the prophets are working during this this. 350-year time period, approximately, where we have the divided kingdom, and then we have the uh, we have the uh, southern kingdom going into Babylon for 70 years, and then after that, returning home. So there's a whole lot that's taking place. But then, in in 536 BC, we read about uh, Zerubbabel leading the first group of Uh, Jews back home to Jerusalem under the release given by Cyrus of Persia. And then in 535 BC, the temple reconstruction began, but the Jews ran into some problems. And so in 529, they stopped their work. And so therefore, God would then raise up the prophets Haggai and Zechariah in order to get the people to get back and be busy with the Lord's work. In 444 B.C., Nehemiah returns in order to build the walls around Jerusalem. And so we have the events of Nehemiah and Ezra. And then finally, after the book of Malachi, now after 70 years in Babylon, after having rebuilt the temple, rebuilt the walls, rebuilt the city of Jerusalem, the Jews have returned home And the Old Testament comes to its close, and we have between the Old Testament, the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, the intertestamental period, which lasted for approximately 400 years. And there are a number of important things that happened during that 400-year period. We have, for example, the rise and fall of the Greeks and the rise of the Romans. And this is... According to prophecy, which is found in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, and in other places in the book of Daniel, we have the diaspora, which refers to the Jews who, after going into Babylonian captivity and then being released to go home, some of them elected to stay in Babylon. Some of them were scattered all over the world, like in Egypt and in other places. These are referred to as the diaspora, or those who are scattered. And part of the scattering of the Jews and those Jews being in Babylonian captivity will be the development of the synagogues. And the synagogue plays a very important role in the New Testament because the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17 that the Apostle Paul's habit was that every time he went to a new place, he first would seek out the synagogue. So these synagogues or meeting places of the Jewish people are scattered all over the ancient world. We also see the development of the various Jewish groups that we read about in the gospel accounts and in the book of Acts, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and others. These all come into existence during the intertestamental period. And there is the development of the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that takes place in Alexandria, Egypt. There are a number of different events in the intertestamental period that happen, and then we have this statement in Galatians 4 and verse 4, that in the fullness of the time God sent forth his Son, made of woman, made uh, under the law, to redeem those who were under the curse of the law. 
And when the Apostle Paul says, in the fullness of time, what he means is, when the time was just right. So now we've worked our way through the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. We have God creating mankind and mankind committing sin and therefore the consequences of sin becoming a reality in this world. We then have God in Genesis 3 and verse number 15 for the first time verbalizing to man how he intends to deal with that sin. And it is that the seed of woman is going to crush the seed of the serpent. We then begin to see God reveal little by little more information about that plan. The seed of the the Messiah will come, the Savior, through the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through the seed of the tribe of Judah. But the seed of Abraham ends up in Egyptian captivity until God raises up Moses to redeem them. Moses brings them to Mount Sinai where God gives them the law. And then they, after a period of wilderness wandering for 40 years, will be allowed to cross over the Jordan and conquest the land of Canaan. They'll settle there, and the land will be allotted to all of the tribes. And unfortunately, they would eventually turn their backs on God, and they would request a king. So God would give them Saul, and then Saul would give rise to David, and David would give rise to Solomon, and Solomon would give rise to Rehoboam, and then Rehoboam to a kingdom divided. And over a 350-year time span, we would have a number of kings, and we would see God's people, Israel, go into uh, unspeakable ungodliness and rebellion against their God. And so, therefore, the northern kingdom would go into Assyria never to return. The southern kingdom would go into Babylon, but they would return. And the reason is because God had made a promise and a covenant to Abraham. God had a plan to bring the Messiah, Jesus Christ, into the world in order to save mankind. So after 70 years... The southern kingdom, the Jews, are allowed to return home, and they do so under the leadership of those like Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah, and they rebuild Jerusalem and the temple and the walls. And so finally, finally, the Old Testament comes to a close. And over a 400-year time period, a number of developments would unfold, leading to Galatians 4.4, the perfect and opportune time, the, the best time, for Jesus to be born into the world. And so in Matthew chapter 1 then, Jesus, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, Jesus then is born. And now we see the Word become flesh, John chapter 1. And now we're uh, seeing the fulfillment of the very first prophecy in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Jesus is the seed of woman who has come into the world and will eventually be crucified but will resurrect from the dead, will rise from the dead, therefore defeating the devil, therefore defeating death, therefore crushing the head of the serpent. We thank you for listening to this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, and we hope that you will join us uh, again on our next episode as we turn our attention to the New Testament and to the life and the work of Jesus Christ working our way through the story of the Bible. Again, thanks for listening, and please come back and listen again as we continue to open up God's Word and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. 
Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.